Hello and welcome to the 2022 edition of Protect Your Neck in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Rory Ford, and these are our end of year UFC awards. Rory, how are we doing today? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good to be back for my first appearance of the year. I don't think I'll get many more in given we are recording this on the 30th of December, but it's always nice to look back at the year, remember some of the horror cards you stayed up for, and also... <laughs> some of the highlights of the year. So it's quite nice to uh, go back and rewatch some of those um, as we kind of draw towards the end of another year of the UFC. So for anyone that tunes in to just about everything we drop, as much as I appreciate that, you may notice the schedule has been a bit battered this week. Uh, Keenan went AWOL. We were going to be doing Movie Madness this week. Uh, Monday was Boxing Day, so tough to get people uh, on board for that. And uh, then there's a mixture of illnesses and whatever else going around as well. So it really is tough to tie people down. But it has been a long year. We started on January 15th with Kelvin Cater beating the shit out of Giga Chikadze, um, to put it nicely. I've had a look at a picture of his face afterwards and it was actually worse than I remembered. It was like Cater was exacting revenge for what Holloway had done to him. Mm, that's a good way um, of putting it actually uh, yeah and then we ended proceedings with Sean Strickland and Jared Cannonier dancing around each other to close out <laughs> December um, to really get going though let's start with our fighter of the year I went into this thinking it was fairly clear cut for Volkanovski but now I'm not so sure is that who you've picked before we carry on I have. I have gone for Alex Volkanovsky as my, I assume, are we splitting it male to female or just fighter of the year? Yeah, I haven't for the rest of the podcast. So for like knockout of the year, if it's a good knockout, it's a good knockout. But okay. I thought it was quite clear for Wei Lee if you were going to have a yeah, female fighter. Yeah, that, that was where I was going with that. Yeah, not that I'm saying she should um, knock um, Volkanovsky off top spot if we're doing it across genders but uh no i i did go for volkanovsky i guess your only kind of possible letdown is he only fought twice and they came within the space of, of less than three months it was april and july um obviously we didn't see him for the first sort of three and a bit months of the year and we didn't see him for the last five and a bit months of the year we, we saw him but he was getting ready for another fight well yeah but but, but, but <laughs> you know slightly different isn't it so yeah, i yeah. guess if you're going to beat him with that but by the same token it was a one-sided domination of Korean Zombie yeah, ending in the, a finish. And then uh, a very one-sided decision, his most impressive performance against uh, Max Holloway. So I guess you could kind of say, well, he's already beaten Max twice. It's not that impressive, but he definitely stepped it up a level this time around. Well, there was that clip they kept doing the rounds, wasn't there, where it's uh, saying about Volk, where he's saying at the start of, I think, round four, are you okay? Are you okay to continue? And then, like mm. half a second later, he's just pummeling the life out of Korean Zombie again, as he's done for the three rounds prior. Really, wasn't a good look for the division. To be fair, the Zombie got that spot, but no, I agree. In beating Max, as you say, it's about as dominant as you can ask for. He kept it exclusively on the feet and moved to three and zero against him. Closed that chapter. The only real questionable one was the second one where I'd say at least say 55% of people probably felt Max won that one, but 
That's how it goes, unfortunately, when a fight's that close. I I actually think Alex Pereira is fighter of the year for 2022. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't hate the suggestion. I think when, um, there's definitely a good argument to say that he is. I mean, you know, he knocked out. Well, he goes he goes three and zero. He won a yep. decision against Bruno Silva back in March, was a, which is a great look for him looking back. Um, mm. He then ices Sean Strickland inside one in July. Yep. And then he comes from behind to win the belt from Starbender in November. And look, this is really getting to the nitty gritty. I think if you needed like a tiebreaker of sorts, I'd say Pereira almost like swallows the wins that Izzy had against Whitaker and Cannonier when he takes him out. Like when you look at where Korean Zombie and Max were when Volk beat them in comparison yeah. to where Cannonier was or Whitaker was, um, or Cannonier, as you say, um, it's levels. They're both on streaks. He gets in there, takes them out, and then the bigger fish comes and takes him out. It's mainly Volk. The Korean zombie one, I find it hard to raise too high. And then... Yeah, I guess that's half my point when I say, well, he's already beaten Max twice, so how much credit can we give it? Whereas Pereira's fresh. He's come in and he's, bought, he, he's beaten three fresh faces in this sport. Obviously, yeah. we know the, the storied history with... Adesanya, but in terms of the the actual sport of MMA, he's fought three fresh fights, if that makes sense. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, very interesting for what he does next because it's it's strange. In the same way, and we'll speak at him a bit later. You know, when Aljamain Sterling won the belt, and it was like, all right, well, if Yan doesn't get him, then he's just kind of fish food for whoever else is next. Like, there's multiple people yeah. in this division that can beat him, and now. He's taken out Yan, he's taken out Dillashaw. Questionable, I know. Um, and so in this one, people seem to think it's just, well, whoever gets there first, whether it's Izzy or not, it's going to be so easy to just wrestle him and just take the belt off him. And I would say since we first saw Francis Ngannou, I would say he's the scariest man I've seen break through in the sport. Like I know yeah, there might be there be somebody I mentioned later on that looks pretty frightening. Well, yeah, I don't know if this is who you're going to say. Cyril Garn is no. probably the closest I would say since, but Garn, I mean, because he fights sensibly, he kind of doesn't have that same fear factor around him. Pereira, when you see just the size the size of him compared with Izzy, oh, it's even, ridiculous. Izzy's got skinny legs, which everyone says, but when you saw like the thickness of his thigh was like bigger than Izzy's head. Yeah, no, the the guy I was actually going to mention was um, was Sergey Pavlovich. Okay, I think we may have who, him down for a similar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when when we're talking, he had had that break from twenty nineteen, and he comes back and he gets three finishes with yeah. a combined total of about six minutes over the um, guys as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the picture of two of us are just sort of kneeling against <laughs> yeah. the cage. And you're like, Jesus Christ, he's done that in under a minute. Um, you know, two performance of the night. He got the performance of the night in London. He then takes out Derek Lewis in under a minute and then takes out two of Asa in under a minute. So I guess, you know, if you're looking at scary guys, he, he would be one. Yeah, my my brother um, always watches the next day, I guess. One of the pitfalls of having kids is you can't stay up until five o'clock in the morning every Saturday. Um 
but he always kind of messages me as he goes through it. And I remember getting a message like, oh, I love Ty. And then like 30 seconds later, oh, that's not good. He's yeah. just made mince meat out of it. Yeah, I mean, he got beat in his first UFC fight by um, Overeem, didn't he? Um, if I remember correctly, I think he got KO'd maybe in the... And that's no... Overeem round. had that phase um, to, I guess, a larger extent of... Um, what's his name? Oh, his name's escaping me. Vitor Balfour? No. Big Russian, heavyweight. Um, big Russian heavyweight? No, Bulgoy's from Bulgaria. No, um, we've been waiting for him. To, we thought his chin was gone, and then he kept coming. He keeps coming back. This is a bad look. You're on about, you're on about Andre Arlovsky from Belarus. There, <laughs> there we go. Um, Arlovsky is who I was thinking of. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we just kind of assumed his chin was gone, and anyone that gets to him, and then Overeem kind of did that to a larger circumstance when he's doing it against legit guys. Yeah. Like he was still in there with Rosen striking the less said about that, the better until the fifth round. Yeah. Christ, that was just insane. But he had that spell where they would just kept trying to feed their new guy to him and it just wasn't going to plan. Yeah. But yeah, uh, my, my fighter of the year, Alex Pereira. Okay. I mean, I don't hate the suggestion. There's no disrespect to it, uh, to uh, Volk either. I do. I love me some Volk. I guess the the more I speak about it, the more I'd probably be able to convince myself that it was Pereira, just just because of the you know three wins over two and and the fact that it's against guys that he's not previously fought in the sport. You should follow um, Volkanovski on TikTok, by the way. I don't have. Uh, well, I don't really use TikTok. He's got his own little uh, cooking channel, um, but he just does his little commentary in the background. Very good. Yeah did come into my thinking when I was picking my fighter of the year, but unfortunately for him, not enough to take him over the line. No. Now, arguably a bigger honour here. I think the fighter of the year, that goes down far deeper than the fighter of the year does. Fighter of the year. And again, I'm not sure this one is as simple as it first looks. So Glover versus Jiri is the consensus pick here. And yep. I do think that's definitely up there. I rewatched it last night in preparation. And if it doesn't win here, it would absolutely win an award for the worst fight IQ of the year. It's packed with those awful yeah. moments where someone can just pound their way to victory and they just try for a sub instead. Yep. 211 combined blows, a submission in the final 30 seconds. Was this your fight of the year? And if I can ask you a sub-question at the same time, how much in your thinking, how much does it matter the kind of feeling at the time? Because the big reason this felt so tense at the time was that we went in not really giving Glover much hope. I think if we were doing Akers that night, you were putting Yiri KO in there as a way of kind of bolstering things mm-hmm. as you get further down the further down the road. So I wonder how much that plays yep. into it, the kind of tension you felt in the moment when you're reflecting now for the fight of the year. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a side note here, I've, I stay up most of the time. There's three main events this year that I definitely didn't stay up for. And they could arguably be three of the fights of the year or moment of the year. <laughs> So I 
didn't stay up for Jury v. Glover. Oh. I watched it in the morning. I didn't stay up for Holland and Wonderboy. No. And the third is I didn't stay up for Leon Edwards and Usman. Jesus. I should <laughs> That's what I questions I was going to ask you later. No, I, I watched all of them fresh without knowing the results, yeah, yeah. you know, a few hours after the event. Um, I think I was out on all three occasions and effectively thought it was better to watch them sober in the morning than half cut in the evening. Hmm. Um, but back to the actual question, I it, it's very difficult when you're not watching it live because there is that element that you can fast forward it. But of the moments of the year, Leon still had me standing up. Um, but the jury fight, I thought, was the actual best fight in terms of it was a back and forth contest but it looked like Glover was going to hold on to the belt and then we get the you know another one of these come from behind uh, outcomes one of the other fights that that did really have me on the edge of my seat was the Wonder Boy and Holland fight but I don't give that fight of the year because I feel it was a bit of an anticlimactic finish Mm. Um, just because of the injury to Holland and you know it doesn't quite feel the same as the jury getting the choke, getting the belt was sort of under a minute to go. That was my fight of the year. Um, but I, I would be open to suggestions of, of some others. I thought, um, yeah, I mean, looking at some other fights, you know, obviously Chamaya v. Burns was great, but they did both look like they needed to be on oxygen after a round and a half. So that kind of swayed it slightly. That, And that's only three rounds as well. I think there's something more exciting when you see guys going back and forth for five rounds. Um, so I did give it to Jury and Glover from my perspective. So I think maybe the worst thing that happened to Glover when I watched that back is he gets a takedown in the first like 30 <coughs> seconds of the fight. And uh, DC says at the time that was that was so easy for Glover. And so every point after that, when he has him hurt, because he does tag him sometimes on the feet and he has him hurt, he goes for the takedown every time. He tries to flip him. I don't think he expected Yuri's grappling to be as good as it was because we see sometimes where we hear, you know, this guy's really good on the bottom and we'll never know. But that was the big thing, wasn't it, with Khabib and Tony? And it was like, well, Tony's got this stuff on the bottom and then you watch back all of Khabib's fights and it was like, did he ever give anyone the opportunity to really do anything off the bottom? And then it's a whole another thing. Yiri's was good in the fact that it just helped him to get up. He yeah. had these rolls, he had these little spins and all of these little, just tying body parts up enough to be able to get himself back to the feet. And that worked perfectly. And I was trying to take myself back to the moment to work out how much things did way in because I do remember that being huge there are a lot of dry spots feels bad but there are uh, it's not the same as Burns Chimaev's a good one and I don't have that for fight of the year either but traditionally if you think of fight of the year it's Hooker Poirier is a good example or Hooker Felder Hooker had that whole spell for a while where he was just racking up fight of the year, fight of the year, fight of the year. And then it was like Chandler took that belt from him and then he carried on to do it himself. There are some lulls in this. There was some, the other suggestions I had, and maybe my pick here is O'Malley versus Piotr Yan. 
in a similar sense, this was supposed to reveal O'Malley's kind of ceiling. His striking looked dangerous, more dangerous than we expected to against Jan. Jan had to wrestle more than usual. I was trying to reflect on the tension I felt compared with the two of them. And I'm not sure. I think I felt more tense for O'Malley Yan. And I'm not sure if it's because I had more stock in it. I'll say it's a bit uh, maybe sloppier. The evening of Mali Yan is one of the best I had this year because it was just all of us watching it together. We don't get to do that very often. And this fight was probably the highlight of the night for that. But you just had a bit of everything in here. Both fighters getting wobbled, both fighters getting hurt multiple times. Whereas a lot of the tense moments with Glover Yiri, outside of I think the second round where Glover's up against the fence, were largely rolling around grappling. And not that there's anything wrong with grappling, but they were more drawn out exchanges than like a one kind of fire shot moment of, wow, something could go wrong here. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I wasn't sure if yeah. you finished there, so yeah, I yeah, yeah. jumped in. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying. I think um, there is certainly moments of, of a lot of fights where it, I, I think the best example maybe this year was the, the Poirier v. Chandler fight where it was an amazing round. Yeah, we'll speak about that in round of the year. But I'm not sure it necessarily was fight of the year because no. it, did, it did drop off. There was a significant drop off. I think if you're going to exemplify that point, that would be a good fight to look at. Yeah. In terms of the actual fight of the year, though, I think there was so much to be said about... I mean, it always makes a massive difference if it is a title fight. Yeah, Because you, you get that five rounds and you do get... There is more on a title fight, obviously. Um, like, uh, Gamrot v. Sarukian was a great fight. It was a oh, five-round yeah. main event. But by the same token, it just doesn't quite hold that same weight, does it? Because it's not a not a title fight or there's not this kind of coming of age of, of one competitor that- or the other. By the way, 29 takedown attempts over 25 minutes. Yeah. This is absolutely the hipster pick of the year, but the scrambles in there. It was like a flyweight fight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You used to get. uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Tim Elliott probably is a great example (laughs) where you tune in and he'd just be flipping. Brandon Royval is quite good for that now. Guys that are just flipping you around for probably 15 minutes. They don't seem to like giving flyweight men events. They prefer giving you light heavyweight every time instead. But yeah, this one was wrestling skill, scrambling ability, cardio. Want to ask you about five round fight didn't go five rounds. Um what about Garn to Avassa? It was a great fight. It, that was another really good fight, but Or was it a round of the year for you? Yeah, it was a really good fight, but by the same token I never thought that Garn was going to get beat. And I think that does factor in again to the fight of the year. You yeah. Know, there was moments in the jury and, and Glover fight where you thought either man was going to win. Yes, I didn't ever think there was, you know, t- two of us had to tag him, but I never really thought that, that Garn was in as much trouble as maybe no. they, they made out on commentary. And I think that's another topic altogether. But yeah. um, so I think that, that kind of maybe hinders that one from being um, sort of in that discussion. Yeah. Something when I was watching fights back, um, Burns Chimaev, which we will speak about, was a good one. I, I love me some DC. I really do. DC yells it's over about 16 times in Glover Jiri. Yeah. And it's locked in and all of these other things. Felder, I actually think is the perfect balance in there. 
if you want probably the middle ground, I put Bisping and DC probably in the same category, to be fair. If you want the level that you probably should have in terms of the seriousness and then the comedic element that you want for an eight-hour pay-per-view, I actually think Feld is perfect in there. Um, he gets a bit carried away. They all get a bit carried away when they're in there with Rogan, to be I fair. I think the thing is, and they are all fans, you know, regardless of what they... you The, the guys like Bisping or Felder or DC, I guess DC to a lesser extent, but those guys didn't get into the sport because of the money in it now. They no. got into it for... Because they were effectively fans and they, they didn't know what else to do. But And I think, you know, we've got to remember that they are fans as much as we are. You know, if they weren't being paid to commentate, they would be um, sat at home watching it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it it is easy to criticise the commentary. I do think it's one of them where I'm, I'm, I'm well aware, this isn't one of those where I'm looking, thinking I could do a better job. I'm well aware that within five minutes, if I was to search my name on Twitter, if they just called me up for a UFC pay-per-view randomly, everyone else, there's there's no one else that can do this. I wouldn't want to search my name after five minutes because there'd be some very unkind things being written. But ultimately, when they are paid to do that job, there does need to be a kind of middle ground. And I do think Felder has it perfect. DC did previously. And then I think it's easy to buy into your own character. Like, you know, those initial shots where DC and Rogan would be grabbing each other after a knockout. And then very quickly after a fairly standard knockout, they're nearly falling out of their chairs, grabbing each other. It's like, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get your point. But uh, yeah, I think I would probably go with Glover Yeary. I think you've talked me uh, into it when I remembering it back. I was trying to think of how it was in the moment. Even better, I remember I, I did have Yeary stoppage as the last leg of an acker and with 30 seconds left, huge. Um, There's nothing better. There is nothing no, better. <laughs> no. um, there was another one that I watched back last night, if you'd remember it, and it was David Onama against Nate Landwehr. Yeah. And yeah. that I was another gave it one. An honorable mention. A big thing for me, which is the reason that I'm giving it to Glover Yeary over O'Malley Yan. The finish is so huge for me in when I want to watch a fight back. I need there to be a conclusion to it. And so I'm less likely to watch. This is what we hear every year. Is the exactly. you know you like that conclusive end? Uh, the, the weirdly one of the fights I've watched back the most is um, and maybe it'll make sense when I tell you the names here is uh, Jackeray Chris Weidman. Okay, right, okay. <laughs> I just love seeing him get banged. One of the <laughs> the moment I've watched the most, and it's not UFC of uh, being a full fight, is probably Maidana Khan. Okay. Probably the fight I've watched the most in my life, and I don't really know why, but there we go. Knockout of the year. <laughs> I think this one's conclusive. Yes. If we go through some of the other contenders first, because there are some highlights to get into. David Onama against Gabriel Benitez, if anyone goes back and watches that, it's it's unreal when they're knocked out against the side of the octagon and it's yeah. just holding them up. And the bloke rips off. I think there's crews and they're trying to do some like serious commentary and really build up the moment. And Cruz over the top of them is going, How many how much how many punches in that combo? One, two, <laughs> three. And he gets to sixteen. 
but they're trying to do some <laughs> in the moment commentary and Cruz is just counting over the top of them. But that was a great one. Two of us are on Derek Lewis. And a huge thing with these knockouts of the year is the way they go down. Yeah, when they're properly slumped. Derek we don't Lewis want no TKOs like, in this conversation. No, and there was a few too many. The UFC ripped a compilation out where it seemed more about getting names in there. Because there's some where, like, if I'm sending you, and um, maybe you say fake news, if I was sending you the, remember last year, the uh, Chris Barnett, where he did the, the like, rolling yeah, thunder? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not showing you the 10 punches after when he's on the floor before the referee steps in. Yeah, there's something very different between like a KO and as much as we don't like a Molly McCann's KO, where I genuinely was concerned for the health of the person. She was down for ages. Yeah. And then she undid it by grabbing a belt and doing laps of the king. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like, that was a knockout. Yeah. That wasn't, there was no. There was no follow-up shot needed. Now, no. you do see some where they are clean knockouts, but there is still a follow-up shot. Now, that's slightly different. But the ones where they are just totally gone off one shot, yeah. like the um, Cheeto Vera and Cruz, it was just a one shot. Leon <laughs> Edwards and Usman, it's one shot. Uh, it's not I like didn't a, know if we were bringing up uh, Vera Cruz. Why not? I seem to remember you needing over two and a half or something along those lines or just Cruz to win. No, I didn't back Cruz. I can't remember what I did in that fight. You no, had I something don't. because I remember you calling me a piece of shit for laughing despite <laughs> me backing despite me backing Vera. Uh, no, I, I honestly don't remember that, mate, to be honest, but uh, it's more, more than possible. Um, yeah, two of us are Derek Lewis. That's one of them. The lights have gone out yeah. <laughs> and he falls yeah. and he looks like the uh, Snorlax you used to have to get the flute to get by a Pokemon. <laughs> It's like he's doing the worm the way he goes down. Unreal. That's a the biggest something about seeing these something (laughs) about seeing these big boys go down as well. You know, that like it really is you know, Jesus Christ, I mean that's like some shot to get a man of that size down. For two big guys as well where this can happen, I don't remember looking that as a fight as where anything can happen. I remember looking at that as a fight as if these two have the fight they both want, then Derek Lewis wins it nine times out of 10. And then it turns out he's been slumped twice this year. Yeah. I think it, Derek Lewis may now be that guy that, that is sort of declining and there is only so many he does one take, for one you can take, you know, he's just an elbow right to the temple for that one, to be fair. Cause it doesn't even look yeah. like it's as hard as it could be, which is still a 20 plus stone man elbow yeah. in the top of the head. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it, it's not like a big shot, is it? You know, you were kind of like... He was in close. I was surprised he went down, like, at yeah. first, and then you rewatch, and you're like, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, Jay, he's yeah. caught him so clean. You um, know, it wasn't like a big wind, like a big wind-up hook or anything like that. It was no. just a, you know, lovely placed shot. Gutierrez on Frankie Edgar. Always yeah. love seeing that man get ice. <laughs> Fly knee to the chin again. Down you yeah. go, see you later. But I mean, they kept going, his kids are all cage like to see him. <laughs> yeah, there's something very rough about that. When you've been um, stopped like three times in your last four, probably don't bring your kids. Well, there the is man. also, you know, he's, he's had some rough ones, you know, like the Sandagon was, was almost like yeah. a carbon copy, was it? You know, well, um, the UFC do a thing where it's, it's like a mixed bag where sometimes they say, right, it's your last fight, we'll give you an easy go. And then that doesn't always work. And so sometimes they kind of do it. 
I think it was that uh, Kaposa Twitter account. I remember seeing him say, the UFC doesn't always have to kind of protect its brand, being like, look how tough we are. We're the UFC. This is what we're going to do. We have to give you a tough guy on the way out. I remember Brad Pickett. <clears throat> yep. And I was at his last fight. I was one of the few, it was the only fight I got to cover as press for the UFC. Yep. Great day. Ended, was ruined by Jimmy Manoa calling out David Hay, actually. <laughs> Just slumped uh, Mr. Overtime Beast in 25-8, Corey Anderson. Yeah. But they thought they were giving Brad Pickett a gimme fight and it was Cheeto Vera. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't go to plan, but it was respectable enough where you've given Brad Pickett a chance to win here. This isn't, and I guess that's... Could they have given Frank Yeager anyone easier than Chris Gutierrez? Probably, but but by the same token, it's hard to give people absolute gimmies isn't it you know it doesn't really work like that you know that's and, and you know they're never going to say now that we've got anyone on the roster that's a gimme fight you know because it just doesn't doesn't stack up for what they're trying to sell so um, when you look at the guy they gave Raul Rosas Jr. for his debut yeah could they legitimately give Frank Yeager someone like that or is it then too obvious so at this stage with Rosas and it. him I think it makes a bit of a mockery of the sport if you just go oh, and give him somebody like that. I it's just not think boxing. It's, it's what the UFC, it's almost their, their driving message is we're not boxing. And so I do agree with you. Um, he doesn't always have to be booking Nate against Kamzat for his last fight. No, so probably no. a middle ground you can find. Yeah, but perhaps he thought that, that Frankie Edgar's last fight was that middle ground. It just yeah. turned out to be that it wasn't. Yeah. You know, there's an argument to say there that Frankie may have got that early takedown and you know, he wins the first round and then the fight's totally different. But of course, you know, it just didn't happen like that. Gutierrez earlier the year, earlier in the year to get a spinning back elbow knockout as well. So uh, this was kind of his thing. And I guess there's some pressure on Gutierrez. You can't just beat Edgar when you've been given that platform. No. I remember being depressed when they tried um, feeding your eye favor to my guy, Ricky Simone. Yeah. Early stoppage, I'll maintain that, but... Sometimes they still got him in that position, though, didn't they? Sometimes it doesn't go to plan, so I can see, I can see their thinking. Now, if we're going to talk about the way they fall, I actually think there's none better this year than Jamar Hill versus Johnny Walker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like he did a sit-up mid-air. <laughs> it, unbelievable. Stretches himself out like he's on the cross and then goes and leans up against the cage. And I think it's Herb Dean who hasn't seen him stiffen in the air quite enough. And Jamal Hill is still able to get about two more shots in and then scream in his face, what, what? As he goes around the octagon, scary guy. Could be the new champ. Could be. Could be in a couple of weeks. One, maybe forgotten, um, Tapurio against Jai Herbert. Yeah, and that was a really weird fight, wasn't it? Because I mean, like, I mean, you look at the size difference between the two, and they stood up next to each other. But you know, Tapuria got pe- dropped early. Well, I think people forget how well that fight was going for Jai Herbert. You know, he, he, he looked really good the first round, and then I remember having Tapuria in an Acura, and he was a really yeah. prohibitive price. And you're like, Jesus, what on earth am I playing at? I- and then yeah, he just yeah, it was just ridiculous. 
Jolly Herbert has had one of the toughest runs of anyone fresh into the UFC. Like when you looked at these Euro guys going over, he was supposed to be the guy that was going to go and make a bit of a name. He has fun fights. He's kind of built perfect for the division. He's got a bit of everything there. And then he debuts against Trinaldo, where he's winning largely and then gets slumped standing and is brutally finished. And that may have been the one where Dan Hardy was screaming at Herb Dean. I think it was. It may have been, but I can't remember. I can't say I remember, if I'm honest. He then gets Renato Moicano coming back after uh, after losing to Aldo, I believe. He then beats Karma Worthy and he then gets Ilya Tapuria and it's like, give the guy a break. Yeah. But then he just beat Carl Nelson, friend of the podcast, um, and uh, got himself back on track a bit. So I think he cried in the octagon after because he just wrestled and was like, look, you can criticize me all you want, but I'm not getting highlight reeled again. <laughs> Did you... Chandler Tony Ferguson felt longer ago Christ, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, this that year. Was, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I did actually have that down on my notes. Funny enough, um, how on earth I've just totally admitted that? Yeah, I mean, do you know when they were kind of do, <laughs> they do like the the still shot of the actual shot landing? My God, it's it's just so clean, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah that's certainly got to be up there for sure. And then, with no further ado, you've mentioned it already: the undisputed clear-cut choice for knockout of the year. Let's let John Anik take it away. He may have resigned himself to losing a decision. Well, that's what Dean Thomas said. Yeah. Dean feels like that would be a moral victory from Neon Edwards. But that is not the cloth from which he is cut. No. That is a dejection. Not just one of the best calls in UFC history, one of the best calls in sporting history, that from John Anik. It's whether you want to call it sixth sense, whether you want to call well, whatever you want to call it, the timing on that with just everything involved, and then for him to say, but that is not the cloth from which he is cut, bang. Yeah, it is excellent. It is absolutely excellent. I watched that round back so many times. I would just watch it on the way to work. I watch it on my break. I watch it on the way home from work. And just the moment where he screams the belts head into the UK is just, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And uh does look like we're probably not going to get that rematch next. But everything about the knockout, the way he sets it up, the way you, those shots come out after. Remember that happened with Eldo McGregor, where like as soon as the fight was over, someone went back and we actually saw him rehearsing the shot yes. in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that happened I mean, with this, didn't it? I get that, but but I always think if you had enough footage following these people around, they would be practicing every shot under the sun. Yeah, there was a yeah. clip. There was a clip from backstage where Leon's striking coach is showing one of his other coaches, and he says. And that's where he dips his head off to the left. And so we think that's Jack. Right. 
Yeah, there you go. We think that jab, and then if he can time that, and that was the little clip, and it's like, that's why those guys are paid what they're yeah, paid. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, they are they're the best of the best, aren't they? You know, that's, that's what they do. Um, yeah. I did think, you know, it was, it was interesting. I mean, you said about watching the round. I must have watched that interview so many times. It's just, well, it's just gonna, so good. I was going to tee this up later, but you've teed it up nicely. So uh, let's hear from Leon. Describe what this feels like. Can't put it into words, Joe. It's been a long, long four, four, four years. Don't doubt to me, I couldn't do it. The all said I couldn't do it. Look at me now. Were there moments in the fight coming into the fifth round you were behind on the scores? Were there moments where you were doubting? I know, I know. It doesn't matter from the trenches. I'm built like this. I'll go to the to the battle's done. That's it. I'm from the trenches. From the trenches. Everything with that. I mean, if you've been to Birmingham. <laughs> That that's how you maximise your moment. Yeah, it was it was it was so good. I mean, the, everything about it—the way he he was looking down the camera when the belt was put on him, yeah. the way he did the gun sign to the head—just, <laughs> I I mean, you know, it was just everything. It, it, it was like a script, wasn't it? You know, yeah. the way his his voice breaks when he he yeah. starts speaking. It was just so perfect. If if it had been written in a movie, that after uh, you know the post fight speech interview, whatever you want to call it, yeah, you would just be going, "Oh no, that's that's top draw. That was absolutely brilliant." And you and- had the shots of him walking to the locker room, crying on Facetime to his mum. Exactly. The only time we would usually see them is when someone's just been iced by Tyron Woodley, and they send his <laughs> mum in to comfort them. Yeah, it was just it was it was absolutely perfect. And. Um, just his his career, not to spend too long on this, we got a lot more to get into, but I was watching back the other day, and I wonder if you remember this, when Wonderboy, no, when Masvidal and Till was happening in London, and they did a mini kind of press conference, almost boxing style for this, but they had Leon Edwards on the table as well. Mm-hmm. And Leon is angling for this fight with Till at the time. And he's yeah, saying, saying who's the best, I'm the best uh, well, yeah, wait, in Yeah, he basically in says, I'm better than he is. This should be us fighting to say who's the best in the UK. And Till's brushing him off saying, well, we know who's the best. Look who's the main event. I'm the yeah. main event. Yeah. And then to see where both of their careers have gone, he beats Gunnar Nelson on that card. Till yes. says, why are you worried about me? You're going to be stopped by Gunnar Nelson. Yeah, and he starts card. saying about how he's going to get choked out and stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. And just everything from there. He was when you could see Leon coming through. It would just constantly feel like he was getting this opportunity, and no one was paying attention. The stuff with Masvidal, I've I've always thought I don't really know what he's supposed to do in that situation. He's being sucker punched, and then Masvidal's dipped out of there and got on a flight. Like I don't understand. What- yeah, but there's even <laughs> like, uh, well, we know what Colby Covington's like. You know, he's the perennial joker and you know say what you want about his character obviously works but there's an interview and the guy uh to to, to chat from bt sport with the bald head his name escapes me. yes adam i knew it was adam something 
says, oh, there's, we've got a, a welterweight over in, over in England that maybe yeah. want to fight you. And he says, Leon Edwards. And he goes, Leon, Leon who? And he's like, obviously like, yeah, obviously Colby Covington knows who he is, but that wasn't, that wasn't far off the truth. You know, people were kind of like, I mean, who is this guy? And it was back when, you know, walking in the countryside was a, was a thing and I wouldn't do it anymore. But, um, my point is lockdown and, and he went on yeah. Joe Rogan's podcast and I, I can't remember if it was just before or just after the Bilal Muhammad fight. I can't remember which way around it was. Just after. Just after. And you kind of like, you listen to this guy and you think, you know, that's what I really latched onto him. And, and that is fairly recent, I'll admit. But I don't know, there was something about the way he spoke and I just thought, you know what, I, I like this guy. He, he, he speaks well and he's very honest and open and spoke about how... I thought I'd get this fight. It never happened. I had the Tyron Woodley one lined up. That fell through. You know, Masvidal, the whole bit with that. And then he gets the name in Nate Diaz. And there was even a question mark at the end of that. You know, obviously he gets rocked at the end. Yeah. And, but but I even like the way he dealt with that. And they said, look, you look like you're hurt there. It's like, yeah, he caught me. You know, he caught me well. It's, he, he's the total opposite of what you would kind of expect people to be like when you look at people like Paddy Pimblett from the yeah, UK yeah. or you look at Conor McGregor in, in terms of from Ireland, you know, not too far away from us or um, Darren Till and people like this and these brash guys that kind of speak rubbish constantly. I guess he's more like from the cloth of people like Tom Aspinall where they, they're quite honest. They're quite, and there is something about... Well, because he was always confident, wasn't he? It's not like he was doubt, ever doubting himself. He was still speaking with confidence, but he wasn't rubbing it in your face. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I just thought I enjoyed the way he spoke and the way he conducted himself, um, you know, throughout all of all of the problems he had and all of the, you know, the, the mishap and misfortune he had to, to keep having these fights fall through. Well, I remember Leon Wood, he was kind of in that frame of being next for the title shot. Yep. And I remember Arrow Hawani was constantly saying, why, sh- why should he fight anyone else? He should he should wait this out and he'll get the title shot next, like so many others have done. Yep. And DC was saying no, he should have to go and fight Hamzat, which they tried making him do by yeah, the way, yeah. and Hamzat yeah, yeah. dipped out. They tried making him fight all these people, and DC was saying no, well he shouldn't. He should have to fight these people to prove that he can be this. This week he's been speaking about all of these other guys in the UFC and saying they should wait things out, and he was doing it for. It's been for. It was someone in the lightweight division, and he was yeah. basically saying, "Wait it out, wait it out, she'll get your shot." So it's changed very quickly when it's not one of his mates trying to come up from behind for the title shot. Yeah. Um, and Leon would always go on Ariel's show, and he would thank him for his support and thank him for kind of driving his message forward. And I remember yeah. him going on his show the day after he won the belt, and he said, "We did it." I want to thank you for all the support you've given me. We got there in the end. Yeah. And it's just the, the, just the things like that. Because you see that interview, he's obviously got the confidence about it, but all worked out perfectly in the end. And then to see people like Bilal and Jorge and all these other guys begging him for a title shot now. Yeah, it's just hilarious, isn't it? George saying, well, you know, if you want your get back, you would fight it. And it's like, how old are we here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Leon Edwards, knockout of the year, and I dare say it probably won't be the last time we're mentioning his name uh, no. here before we get to the end of this 
episode. So submission of the year. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy for you to go first on this one. I wasn't one that sort of. Yeah, so I've got a couple that I can take us through because yeah. I do have some questions again, like I did for Knockout of the Year. So Makachev Oliveira was impressive. Yeah. And this is going to seem petty. Is is the perceived tightness of the squeeze a big thing for you? Like if the like recipient of the choke doesn't look that distressed while tapping, that, that weirdly changes it for me. No, I, I, to, to be fair, I, I remember listening to an interview with um, uh, Chael Sonnen the one time when he was sort of not being Chael Sonnen. And um, he spoke about kind of the worst pain he's ever been in when fighting. And he said he was doing a no-gi grappling competition and he got put in a guillotine by this Brazilian guy. And I can't remember the, the Brazilian guy's name. It wasn't anybody I immediately would recognize. And he basically said, my teeth were squeezing together that hard. I honestly thought they were going to snap in my mouth. Yeah. And that to me is always, I always remember that when I see chokes now and I think you've got to realize that the torque and the strain, an arm triangle is probably one of the, I mean, I don't know. I've never been put in a, I've been put in a few submissions, you know, at a low level, but never by guys of this level. Yeah. But an arm triangle to me seems like it's one of the, the, it's not the worst one, you know, like I would much rather be in that than a rear naked choke or a guillotine or, um, you know, various other things. But to me, the fact that Drew Dober just spoke about, was it Drew Dober, was Drew Dober or um, oh, uh, who was it? Fort, uh, Fort Islam. And he kind of caught him in that. He was like Bobby in half Green? guard. No, no, he's in half guard. And he kind of just like submitted him from there. Oh, who was it? Um, oh, it, was, it was Drew Dober. It was Drew Dober. Yeah. And I remember there was like a quote after and he just said, basically, he got back to his gym and was just like, Jesus Christ. That yeah, that, that was Drew Dober. was like insane. And I seem to remember maybe he was training with um, Gaethje at the time and or training with somebody that could be before yeah. and basically just said maybe Poirier or somebody and, and he just said I mean these guys like I don't know what they've been doing but the squeeze just fell I think it was Gaethje I think you're doubting yourself again yeah I, I mean I, I, it's, I'm trying to think back to these things I've heard like a year ago or two years ago and, and he was just like look I've never found anything like it and if you then ramp that up I mean that wasn't dislisted as an arm triangle choke, but that to me was more like he was in Drew Dober's half guard and he was kind of, it was half von flu choke, half triangle, arm triangle. I mean, the second he passes the half guard of Charles, Charles is tapping. That's now, right. I thought the point you were going to make, sorry, I'm rambling on a little bit. The point I thought you were going to make when you said, do you read into, I thought you were going to say Charles's previous attitude of he's perceived as a bit of a quitter. But I think when no. you factor in, what other people have said, it, yeah, I mean, he must have been in so much discomfort to even think about tapping. So the other example that I would use, um, so Ilya Tapuria choking out Bryce Mitchell, yep. where it's so quick, the tap, and they almost look defeated before it gets locked in. So I wondered, do you penalise? That's another question, actually. So whether they're kind of defeated before the submission. And do you penalise how long it takes to wrap it up? Like if they're on the bottom for ages before it gets wrapped up, is that worse for you when you're grading them than when it's just locked in immediately? No, I don't think so. Because some of the ones here, 
uh, Andrade is standing arm triangle. Miguel Andrade. I mean, that was mental because I've never seen it before. No, because DC is screaming, well, she should trip her and take her to the mat. And then it's classic DC where obviously she's going to get choked out there. <laughs> yeah, that um, was that was pretty impressive. The, the one, one of the most shocking ones I remember was Zhang Wei Li when she won the belt because it was so yeah. fast. It was like, you speak about how long it's taken to kind of cinch the, the submission up. That's one example where I'd say I was so impressed because it was so fast. So my my pick for this is um, Claudio uh, Puelesh, his knee bar on Clay Guida. Yeah. Because okay. it's so slick. I mean, can he we almost, give that man an award after his last <laughs> performance? Uh, he almost backpacks him after being on the bottom and then stretches him out. Guida has about five chances to get out. And I don't know yep. if you've seen this graph on Twitter doing the rounds recently the difference in the trajectory between fuck around and find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Guida is like, this guy has one move he wants to do to you. He has one move he wants to do and you stay yeah. there and you stay there and you stay there. Yeah. And then, but it's so quick once he's on his back to stretch him out. Yeah. And the knee bar is one where I think you don't appreciate that until you've been watching UFC for a long time and you, I think it was Felder maybe broke it down and said that you kind of don't feel it until you do. Yeah, and then your like whole talk. like year is done. Because the other one I had down was Paul Craig's triangle after being pummeled by Krilov. And that yeah. is part of the circumstance when I grade it in that. Yeah, that was just, that was brilliant. He just lets you batter him and then just decides to start trying eventually. It's between Andrade and the knee bar and everything to do with the speed and uh, how painful it looked. All of those things was why I gave it to uh, Puelesh. Yeah, I mean, do you give more credit to the fact it is a knee bar because they're not that, they are quite a specialist move? Exactly. The last couple of years, we've had such a clear option where it's been, um, I forget what it's called, but the one that Zabit was doing. Oh, like a... Uh, yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's still like a knee bar, I guess. In, of sorts, yeah, but it? it was just something that... Oh, there was the Bryce Mitchell one where he... Uh, the twister. twister. Yeah, that was But pretty, something pretty where cool. you see it and it's like, I'm not going to see anything like that. Yeah, I think that's why I give Andrade so much credit because it was so different. It's the same reason I give like Zhang Weili a bit of credit because it was like, didn't really look like she was fully on the back. At the first, she was like, you know, it was like a reverse uh, crucifix, wasn't it, almost? Yeah, and again, then it's how much um, you put the circumstance into it because my favourite submission of all time is um, John Jones on Machida and a part of that is the way he just drops him and lets him slump after. My favourite in terms of individuality is um, Diego Brandao and it was outside of the UFC and he did this helicopter armbar that I'd never seen before in my life (laughs) where he essentially does it like you would do with a kid where helicopter, as you say, and he kicks him into the air and spins yeah. him in midair and catches his arm. And it's like, that is yeah, just my, my, some... Yeah, my favourite submission is similar to that. I always love that Mighty Mouse submission. Yeah. Where he like picks, is it Ray Borg? Picks Ray Borg up Ray and Borg, just slaps yeah. the armbar on midair. And it's just insane. It's like, that, you, you shouldn't be able to do that. You physically should not be able to do that. Traded him for Ben Askren. Yeah, yeah, it looks good in hindsight. I think 
when you play, you know, when you place a bet sometimes and you feel like shit after because you're like, I don't know how I ever thought anything different could happen. Yeah. Backing um, Ben Askren to beat your boy. Beat my boy? Yeah. Man, you can beat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would beat him in a kickboxing match. And it was in like Singapore or something like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I was in a hotel, I think it might have been the same day as Brooke Triple G. And I was waiting to check in, watching on my phone. And like after a round, you were like, this isn't good. No, it wouldn't (laughs) have been that long ago, would it? Can't have been that long. Yeah, it was ages ago. Askren's not been in the UFC for that ages. Couldn't have been that long ago. I'm going to check that now. No, no way. I was in Cardiff when Triple G for Brooke. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. I reckon Brooke v. Brooke v. Triple G was. I reckon that was 2016. It was 2016. I'll, maybe you Google that before you said it. It was. No, no, I, was I didn't. In, I was no, in no, London. I remember because I went to Cardiff one weekend and and uh, Birmingham the next weekend. I was in London for some boxing. I know that much. Yeah. Uh, But there we go. I mean, there's me telling you which uh, fight it was isn't, isn't adding much to this story. Like to um, know it was Josh Taylor, Regis Progre. Okay. Well, 20, so I 20. was in the same hotel I would have been at. Did you go and watch uh, Chisora v. Price? Chisora v. Price. Uh, I think that was on the undercard of that fight, was it not? Or was yeah. That, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, is that, is that what you went to watch? Yeah. No, no, I went to see uh, Josh Taylor because I'd not seen him before. I was there. Your, your boy, the plumber. I was there. I I was in. I wore a blazer and I wore a flowery Jesus. shirt underneath. Jesus. And um, someone commented underneath the picture, saying that shirt is really going to test the boundaries that you can't hit a man with glasses. And I thought, well, oh, Christ, I'll have to give me a confidence boost before I go out. But cheers. Um, <laughs> all right, event of the year. I considered UFC 280 just because we watched it all together, but UFC 281 was the clear pick for me. Yeah. You started yeah. with uh, Olberg knocking out uh, Nego Mariano. You had Montel Jackson, one of the few decisions of the night. Mike Trezano knocks out uh, Songwo Choi. Karolina Kovalkovic against Silviana Gomez, if you remember the controversy there with it being a split and I was unfortunately on yeah, I think I was on both people but one would have won me more money Matt Fravola knocking out Azaitar that he wasn't supposed to do who had you know, Aaron Blanchfield beating Molly McCann that's always good I remember I was on Azaitar actually and yeah, uh, exactly. feeling very rough <laughs> Ryan Swan beating Dominic Reyes with a jab Christ yeah Hanato Moicano beat Brad Riddell and then did his interview about wanting more money and I know you get bitches to Joe, to Joe Rogan. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was just, I mean, that was just, just yeah, that was mental, wasn't it, really? Then you had Dan Hooker, Puelesh, yep. Gutierrez, Frankie Edgar, Poirier Chandler, Zhang Wei, Leo Sparza, Alex Bahera, Adesanya. Yeah, I think that was undeniably the event of the year. Yeah, and following straight through breakthrough fighter of the year. Alex Pajera was the clear pick for me there. I don't yeah, know if it's bad I, to I, have fighter of the year and, and breakthrough, but... Yeah, no, to, well, to be fair, I, I thought Sergei Pavlovich was was one here that really could have been given the, the shot of breakthrough fighter of the year. 
I mean, I've seen some media outlets giving it to, to Paddy Pimblett, which just we'll say less about that. Um, but I just thought Pavlovich in the sense that, you know, he comes off that massive break. He records three KOs, like we say, over legit guys. Um, you know, going into that fight, he was he was one uh, two and one in the UFC, hadn't been seen for two and a half years, and then, you know, does what he does. Yeah, Ben Pereira went from prelims to the title in three fights. Yeah, I get that, but I guess there was still that backstory of, you know, um, he was always probably going to fight Izzy at some point. Yeah, I get it. You know, yeah. Whereas now I wouldn't be surprised. You take John Jones out of the, the equation and Pavlovich would probably be fighting for the title, right? Yeah, I watched back the interview Izzy gave that you, know, you never know how true these stories are. They say is the reason that Pereira came back properly and wanted to go and get the belt is where Adesanya says he's going to be the guy that sat in a pub one day with his pint, maybe some crack, trying to impress a crack whore, saying, I beat that guy once and that's all he's going to have to cling on to. And then Pereira's like, okay, fair enough. See you soon. <laughs> yeah, no, he's been in three times. Yeah. So uh, sometimes just don't uh, yeah. be careful what you wish for. Um, round of the year, one of the toughest. Yeah, I thought this was quite tough. If I run you through what I've got. Go for it. Schnell, the Sumaderji round two. Yeah. We open with it. This was on weirdly early, wasn't it? Because I remember... Me, you, TK, and I'm going to say maybe Connor, all kind of going off at this while it's happening. I think it's one of these weird cars that started at like nine o'clock. Yep. Opens with a low blow to Matt Chanel. He's been controlled for the majority of round one, close to being finished. And then it just turns to carnage. Um, He gets stung with a straight right. He gets stung again with a check hook. He just keeps getting froze, but not going down properly. Then he gets a standing elbow to the temple on two separate occasions. And then Schnell lands one back. And it's like that moment in Diaz-McGregor 1 where everything in just that instant just flipped. Yeah. And then he gets full mount. The USA chants are roaring. (laughs) Blood is pissing everywhere. I think someone put in the group chat, Christ, a lot of blood in here. And we had to say, yeah, from the fight before where he's just leaking. He sinks that triangle in chokes him out, leaves him unconscious with his eyes open, which always helps. Insane. One of the most insane rounds I've seen. And yeah, yeah. definite contender here. You mentioned it already. Poirier Chandler round one. Yep. Chandler. <laughs> Chandler's just jumping in with body kicks right from the start. And Rogan, yep. in what I think has been an off year for him, he says... He just wants to get you into an explosion competition, <laughs> which is actually a really good description. And Chandler just keeps getting him on the fence and he's ripping left and right. And Chandler fights like you've just got, uh, I don't know if you've played the UFC game or any no, version I, of the UFC Well, game. I think I played it yours one time. I'm not a massive uh, game gamer, to be honest. So he basically swings everything on max power until your energy bar spent. And then you step back for a few seconds to get it back full. And then you just do it again. <laughs> until you've yep. got nothing left. And he just kept battering him on the fence, but never down the middle, which Poirier said he probably would have beaten him if he did that. Yeah, He gets a takedown. Poirier gets back up. Chandler hits him with a suplex in the middle of it. Yep. And then with 40 seconds left, Dustin nearly finishes him. He drops him heavy 
he elbows him on the bell and Chandler just sinks to the floor for the next 60 seconds. DC screams out, Chandler's face is destroyed. Yeah. yeah, it, it, was yeah. Just, it, was, it was madness. It was, it was chaos that first round. And I guess that goes back to my point of it was so chaotic that we come out and then we get a bit more of a relaxed few takedowns. <laughs> Chandler wins round two. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, just insane, absolutely insane. Uh, McKinney versus Dober round one. That's my pick of the year. Yeah. Yeah. He knees him inside 10 seconds, I mean, uh, McKinney it's, on it's, Dober. It's not even a full round. I mean, that's the, no. that's the ludicrous thing. <laughs> um, he then drops him with the same shot again 10 seconds later. He hits him with a spinning back elbow, two takedowns, ground and pound, and then they stand up on 218. 10 yeah. seconds later and it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was chaos. Absolute chaos. Just as just for pure, what the hell just happened? Yeah, that that was my my pick. It was just utter chaos. Um, we mentioned Burns Chimaev. It would probably be round, like at the end of round one. He drops Chimaev and then tries to volley his head off his shoulders. <laughs> it, was, it was the most insane things I've seen. And then round two, they're going back and forth with no takedowns, but. I didn't think it had anyone close to being finished in the same way that all of these ones that we've just said. No, I think that the most damaging knockdown shot was a jab, wasn't it? Which is yeah, pretty insane in itself. Not the first time for Gilbert Burns, that. No. And one that was just chaotic, Costa versus Rockhold round one. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, another one that was just mental. Costa just runs straight at him round one and we thought it was a formality. He takes Luke down. Rockhold's then smashing the body kicks and Costa's just rubbing his side. Just chaotic, really, but... But good for Yeah, I think my pick is Schnell Sumaderji. Yeah, okay. Second would probably be Poirier Chandler and then McKinney Dober. Yeah, I went um, for McKinney Dober just because of, of all of the rounds that I was just like, what the hell just happened? You know, that kind of reaction of, yeah, it was probably that one. Were you on Dober as well? I don't think I had a bet on that fight. I was on Dober. Always makes it sweeter. Um, I can't remember specifically, and I feel like I would if I was on Dober. Comeback of the year. Do you give that to Leon Edwards? Do you give that to Pereira? Or do you give it to Drew Dober? This was a, this was a really tricky now. one. Or Matt Schnell. Yeah, 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 Matt Schnell would be higher than probably Pereira, just because he was more hurt. I mean, in terms of looking defeated, I would probably say that Dober and Schnell, and they probably were the two that looked most defeated because they were both visibly rocked. But come back in the year, I think it's been so tricky, isn't it? Again, you've got to factor in who they're fighting against. Usman is, you know, undeniably probably the pound for pound king at the time. Yeah, yeah it's Leon Edwards for me. Yeah, yeah, I probably would go for Leon Edwards if pushed. And then upset of the year. Same again. Yeah, agreed. Leon Edwards, Kamara Usman, pound for pound, headshot, dead. And then last thing before we move on. So biggest disappointment for you? Hmm. I think, I mean, the biggest disappointment, one is not seeing John Jones, because yep. I really thought we'd see him back this year. But what I actually came down, I mean, this is a really random one to come down on, but the light heavyweight division. Oh, 
Yeah. Just for me, when I was like, what am I most disappointed about this year? I came down on the light heavyweight division. It's just been a mess. I mean, there's been, you know, obviously we're very unlucky with what's happened to Jiri, but I mean, it's strange that you can give fight of the year potentially to the champions, the former champion and the new champion. But for me, the whole division is just an absolute mess. You know, we're ending the year with no champion. Outside of title fights, just do not give these main events. We don't need an Anthony Smith main event. I promise you, we do not need a Rakic main event. Half of these guys, I don't need an Ankalaev main event, even if he is the champion, huh. to be honest with you. It's like they signed a deal after Jones Gustafson for however many light heavyweight main events, because I promise you, we don't need a Thiago Santos main event. We don't need a Johnny Walker main event. We don't need a Jamal Hill main event, unless it's for the belt. Yeah. Yeah. My disappointment that stood out above all others was Gaethje's performance against Oliveira. Yeah, okay. It, I know kind of the thing with him is he's a, he's a madman, yeah. but where he found his success against the likes of Ferguson and Chandler was he found a middle ground. And the second he was touched against Oliveira, it was like they hadn't planned to face him at all. And some of that was just a good fight by Oliveira. Yep. But no, that really bothered me, that did, after how excited I was, how the high hopes I had for Gaethje, to see the way he performed there was just horrible. And then I I hate it when you come out with with excuses after. It's like, don't fight or don't give me the excuse. (laughs) That's a little bit harsh. It's not because if if it was that bad that it's going to affect your performance, then don't fight. Or yeah. if it wasn't that bad, don't tell me about it afterwards. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, no, I kind of understand what you mean though. Because just seeing that with Bryce Mitchell, where he's like, you know, yeah, I probably shouldn't have fought. And it's like, well, don't tell me that afterwards because it's not making me look on Tapuria any differently. And it is making me look on you even worse because it's... Don't tell me that after I've paycheck. put my hard-earned cash yeah, on you in my parlay. It's, yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, no McGregor fight, I think the sport's better with him in it, regardless of Yeah, no, I, I, I get that, but I wasn't, I don't finish the year disappointed I've not seen him. Um, a couple of other disappointments. May, if you look back there, after Oliveira Gaethje, we had a Rakic main event and a Holly Holm main event. I promise you, whoever booked that, <laughs> I don't know if they did that on like a Friday, Friday night, last minute, and then a week off. So we had a week off for with those two prior. Vile. Um, no Tatiana Suarez fight. Valentina Shevchenko in general. Yeah. One of the most boring people in the sport. Got female fight of the year from some outlets. Yeah, because it's fan voted and yeah, we know why. Um and Tony Ferguson being shot to bits is quite sad. Yeah, but did we not know that before this year? Yeah, that's fair. Um, we just weren't seeing him beaten like this. Yeah, I kind of get that. We weren't because we got the, the the two versions this year and we got him getting like brutally murdered in the octagon where you get that slow-mo of his face like in another yeah, dimension. Yeah. And then I don't want to see it 
Tony Ferguson would never be laughing five seconds after he's been finished. Uh, with yeah, with Nate, yeah, yeah, that, was, that, that was would crazy. never happen. Uh, he did. wouldn't be hugging you and lifting your arm up. That wouldn't happen. But he has. Exactly. Unfortunately, so. you know, old mother time gets everyone right. It's just that's the the sad thing about any sport, you know, um, you know, any sport at all, life at all. But you know, I think Tony Ferguson. I guess it's so sad with him because he never got to that shot at the unified belt. Yeah, um, too many tiramisus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and him kicking iron bars and stuff like that obviously <laughs> didn't help. So, you know, it's... Um, I remember they were due to fight, I think, the Saturday before China Race Week one time. And yeah. I just opened up a Bet365 account. Do you know, you get those, like, mad deposit 100, you get 100 pounds worth of, like, free bet credits or whatever. Yeah. And I had the full 100 pound on... Habib at four to six or eight to 11 or something where they were like really closely matched. And um, yeah, obviously never went ahead. And uh, looking back on it now, I feel like I've left 80 quid in the hands of Bet365 there. I feel like I definitely would have collected. If if this could be retroactively priced, so they're still the same fight as they were at that time, but you're pricing how close do you think it would be matched? Do you think there would still be enough hype behind Tony that you would get good odds, or do you think it would be when? What now? No. So say we know what we know now oh, right. about their skill set and everything, but yeah. you're pricing it for at the time. So you're pricing it for like 2015. Oh, uh, I think there would still be enough people thinking that Tony Ferguson would have enough on the ground and probably knock him out. What are you saying, like two to five for Khabib? Yeah, yeah that's probably not far wrong. And, and then, I think that, you know, that would be like, let's put the house on it. Last thing before we move on to next year for a couple of questions. I've got a number of events, just the main events. I'll ask you your thoughts. And if anything springs to mind, yep. then uh, you tell me. You're not going to ask Garnu me, Johnny. You're not going to ask me, Johnny Hendricks, for uh No, no, all this year. <laughs> oh, all this year. Right. Yeah. So what, what am I answering? What's, what's the actual question? Just, Sorry. What you remember anything to say in particular okay. that just immediately okay. comes to mind. Uh, and Garnu versus Garn. Uh, lost out on a case through lack of fight IQ. And Garnu the wrestler, who would have thought it? Yeah, for a bit of context, me and you had very different opinions on this fight. Yeah. You thought Garnu would definitely win. Probably not by the means he actually did win. I <laughs> no, thought no. that Cyril Garn <laughs> would pretty much do what he did um, until the takedowns came. I thought, you know, the stand-up fight would be pretty much yeah. as, as it went. Um, and I ended up, you know, for, for the purpose of, of the listeners, uh, yeah, we, we do a case of your favourite beverage, you know, up to a certain limit. You're not getting a well, case well, of wine. Well, no, because I did one with Alex a couple of weeks back and he wanted a bottle of wine, which I tried to get delivered to his house. He decided to order it when he wasn't home twice and I got the refund. So <laughs> he's going to have to wait. It's his own fault. Yeah, no sympathy for him there. No, you know the hard rules. work getting the case out of him. You can attest. I pay my cases the second the fight's over. Yeah, I remember when we did Adesanya v Whitaker. Yeah, and I had went. To, <laughs> yeah. I think I'd been to watch Liverpool v Leicester, and I was staying in some absolute dive in Liverpool, and uh, I was just about to head out for the evening. And uh, sorry, I just headed home for the evening and uh, watched the fight, and funds were received before I had made it to my McDonald's hungover in the morning. So you know, all there good. Yeah. Um, well, so, funnily enough, Adesanya Whitaker too. 
Uh, I don't really remember a lot about this. I just remember it being, you know, a fairly comfortable. Well, no, it wasn't that. People will tell you that Whitaker won no, that. No, no, sorry, yeah, no, no. I sorry. don't believe that's really the case. It wasn't that comfortable. Sorry, no. Uh, I, I remember it being, um, yeah, a little bit more interesting than probably expected. Covington Masvidal. Uh, Masvidal looking like he needed a lung transplant, leaning on those security guards while still chatting shit. Yeah, his um, his manager. There's a clip on that. The thrill and the agony. The UFC. Did. Yeah, they're brilliant. They are. Um, not going, he didn't beat you. He just wrestled you. He, you know, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Hated, I hated managers in Leon. Afterwards, you know, you know what a real fight is. What do you think this is? Um, depressing one. Uh, friend of the pod, Vicente Luque versus Belal. Remember the name, boy. Remember the name. Yeah, that was pretty depressing, actually. You know, Luke, Luke really, really has declined, actually, hasn't he? There's another one we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, bad year for him. I spoke to him, must have been the start of this year, to ask about the potential Nate Diaz fight. And since then, oh, he's been, been great. Since then, he's been iced by Jeff Neal. And then. That's probably the worst. And then beaten by Bilal Mohammed. I think Bilal was first, actually. Yeah, he would have been, I think. Um, yeah, very depressing. But I mean, Surprise. you would have opened up this year thinking that, you know, it wouldn't take a million, uh, you know, it wouldn't take a, a massive leap of faith to say that Luke maybe would have been in the title picture. I had him down as a potential McGregor opponent. That would have been good, yeah. Um, Still might be, to be fair. That, that yeah, we're, we're going to get on to that. I just realised I can see that in front of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Surprise, Bilal didn't get a shout for fighter of the year from you. Um, no, I don't know why you would have done. Curtis Blades versus Aspinall. That was just uh, very disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a yeah. real shame. After the was. hype of being the best ever event, according to Dana, and then it was like the worst in London next. It was like decisions everywhere, and then a main event that's a dud. Yeah, it's weird, wasn't it? There were quite a few of them this year where we had like injuries and stuff. It's um, You don't get many fights like that. It's probably less than there should be, really. And then you get like TJ with the shoulder, and you get uh, obviously Aspinall. Yeah, there's been a couple of others. Uh, uh, Brian Ortega. Yeah, just to name um, a few off the top of my head. Anyone that's with James Christ. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Christ. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I was trying to find a friend of the pod actually. Yeah, I was trying to find the actual fight on UFC Fight Pass for Landwehr and Armour. And it's been taken down, and I wonder if that's because one of them is a James Krause fighter. Christ. I mean, that's. I don't think you could say either of those two are any quick. No, them. no. But I just want. That's the only thing I can think of why it would be taken down if they're just taking down his fights and his fighters' fights or whatever until this investigation's cleared. I don't know. I mean, none of those things happen quickly either, do they? No, no. You need James Krause to do a Connor Ben and say, can you hurry up with this investigation? <laughs> and then. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Diaz Ferguson, but we've already mentioned it. Yep. So, uh, who's boxing the bleeding head off him, kicking the bleeding leg off him? You was what he's doing to close the distance. This is not over. If we had to take this outside with him, it's all outside. We don't give a. It's not over. That's absolutely that was, right. Uh, that was your brother, wasn't it? I think. <laughs> We're moving on to next year and. Two fighters that we've mentioned a couple of times already. I will ask you, first of all, what does Paddy Pimblett's 2023 look like? I think he will get another relatively easy fight 
you know, I don't think well, there might, might not be anything as, as such as an easy fight for him anymore, but I think they will give him another, you know, should win opponent. And I think they will hope that he turns in a performance where he either gets a stoppage or a dominant three rounds yeah. under his belt before moving him up in competition. I think he needs to almost reset back to um, the Jordan Levitt type performance prior to moving up again. Um, I think just take him out of the heat for a, for a while as well. It wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see him until sort of May or June of next year. Well, they're back in March, aren't they? In yeah, I, I honestly can't see him fighting on that card, weirdly. I think they might give him a bit of a take him out of the limelight for a little while. So I've got three potential suggestions here that I think are realistic. First of all, Bobby Green? No way. Bobby Coming Green off would, a loss to Drew Dober? Bobby Green would box he that would. head off the man. He, but when oh, you look we'd at, love to see it as well. Yeah. So here's maybe one. What do you think about Brad Riddell? He's lost three in a row, but they yeah. do include Fiziv and Jalen Turner. <laughs> yeah. And I really like Brad Riddell, actually. I think he's really, really good. I mean, he's... Because if that is what he said he is, he should be fighting Jalen Turner. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, his build would be enough to put Paddy off, I think. That small, stocky, (laughs) looks like he could stuff a takedown and probably overpower Paddy. And then Jalen Turner is just a freak. Yeah. Get him in there with his Eve. Um, And the other one, when I was just looking down um, the kind of rankings, they're built by someone else, but just to show the kind of picture at lightweight. Yeah. What about Diego Ferreira? He's lost three in a row. They are to Gamrot, Gregor Gillespie, and Dariush. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you think about that suggestion. He's not fought since December 21. I believe he's still with the company. Yeah, that wouldn't be the worst. But we're thinking it's going to be that kind of opponent. Okay, yeah, yeah, he was scheduled to face Drakkar close in July, but pulled out with an injury. Yeah, I can see somebody like that being a sensible opponent. Drakkar close. Yeah, that'd be good seeing him uh, seeing him be Darius back in the highlight reel yeah. but just cutting it before Darius milks him because do you think it's detrimental to Paddy's career that you've had Drew Dober has come out and said it I think Bobby Green came out and said it and a couple of others have come out as well and like they're not going to give me that man there's no chance they let him fight me and with each time if you know these fighters you're sat there nodding your head like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's no way they're giving Paddy a Drew Dober. No, but by the same token, he doesn't deserve that fight yet. Would they give Paddy Terrence McKinney? Jesus, no. I don't think they would either. No, I honestly don't think they would. I, I, it's so hard. They can't almost, like, they can't give him a, a, they cannot give him a newcomer. It would just make a mockery of, of everything they're trying to do with him if they give him like a proper bag of shit. If, Genuinely, I would keep him and say, how big can you get? Do you want to fight Connor in his comeback fight? Jesus. Yeah. I think if he gets another win, that's what they do, by the way. But first question, when does Connor fight again? We know he's off the USADA list, so it's going to be at least June if he was to come back now, although we've seen with the likes of Brock Lesnar that you can get around that if uh, you're a big enough star. 
Could he be back for International Fight Week, July? Maybe, maybe. Uh, are we assuming he's going to be at welterweight, by the way? We're looking at the size of him now. I can't imagine he's going to be any lower than than no than that. But you know, that, that's, I mean, that's an interesting one in itself. Because again, who does he fight at welterweight? Like I know you mentioned Vicente Luque, but there's not that many fighters that you could realistically go for the UFC. I've, Look, he's one that we'd want him. You know, we've got I've um, got a wild one for you. We've obviously got Jorge as like an obvious one, but I don't think they'd want that. Let um, me let me see if I can guess. Let okay. me see if I can guess. Is it Wonder Boy? No. Okay. Cool. Would they do McGregor Nick Diaz? Yeah, I don't think Nick Diaz wants to come back. He said he does. Christ. Oh, okay. Yeah, possibly. The one I actually that I mean the left field one that I could see them throwing at him. The leech. I've got him. I've got him in front of me. Yeah, he's one I could see them them giving because not huge either, is he? No, he's definitely not. No, no. He, he does hit like a truck, though. <laughs> yeah, but but by the same token, you know, he is kind of you know he's well, he's had some rough innings, but essentially, we're looking for like a cowboy adjacent, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not many. I mean. Well, I thought maybe, Luke but... potentially he's just lost to Neil and Bilal. They used him as the measuring stick for Woodley. Um, he was linked with the Nate fight, but I don't, I don't know. I think I know who it's going to be. Okay, who do you think? I'm. If I had to put a bet down now, I'm fairly sure it's going to be RDA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, no, of Book course. Before bad blood, there bounced back against Barbrainer after losing for losing to Fiziev. Not too long back, I was suggesting Kevin Holland to you, and then the size difference there could be terrifying. Oh, yeah, ridiculous. Is there a chance he comes back at like middleweight? By the way, <laughs> I hope not. Like as much as I wouldn't mind seeing him just get absolutely iced, I really hope he doesn't. Because for me, that just wouldn't be good. How how interested are you after seeing someone suggest him against Sam Alvey? I mean, Sam Alvey's fought a light heavyweight. I mean, imagine the size difference between those two. <laughs> That'd be unreal. But I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be RDA. Um, yeah, no, that would that would make sense. I think it's going to be RDA or Paddy. The the Nick Diaz one. Just remember who said it. Remember <laughs> who said that. If that does happen, I will remember. I will remember. Next question. Which fighter over 30 gets their first main event? Now, I've got four written down. We've already mentioned Sergei Pavlovich. Am I, can I one, assume yeah, that's yeah. one of them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, oh, no, I've actually got five written down. Looking down the list, by the way, the youngest fighter at heavyweight is 27. Jesus. The oldest at flyweight is like 33 or something like that. It's like it's just polar opposites. Yeah. No. So, I mean, if I just quickly run through my one. So I've got Drew Dober. Yeah, same. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez. Okay, nice. Chris Curtis. He had a good fight this year, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I yeah what, that- I, well, I, I was kind of going for people that were old and had had a, at least co-main slots okay. this, this year. And Gregory Rodriguez, um, I think uh, this year he went two and one, but the loss was a was a split. 
His next two were KO's Performance of the Night, Fight of the Night, and um, he was co-main event on the, I think it was the Sun. Does he have the gas tank for five? Well, he might yes, not need not it. Problem. Yeah, I mean, he might not need it. Um, Chris Curtis, okay. after the KO Ooh. of Joaquin Buckley. I, think I would there's be surprised. One that's proper obvious here. Yeah. Uh, and my final one is Marab Dirashvili. There, there we go, yeah. Yeah, so they're my, they're my uh, five. Because, have you got any more to chuck in there? Yeah, but by the way they're sounding, like they may just be using Murab to kind of clean up who Aljamain doesn't want to fight. And then when yeah. he moves on. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't need to see Murab against Piotr Jan next, by the way. Just drop me out of that. <laughs> um, yeah, the others that I had down... Uh, in tune with them loving a light heavyweight main event, you can maybe see where this going. Uh, your favourite light heavyweight, Khalil Roundtree. Jesus. I pray to God that doesn't happen, by the way. But there we I go. hate that, man. Um, Movsar Evloyev? Yeah, Christ. I, I, when I was thinking, I didn't think he was over 30. I think he is 30, so I may have cheated slightly, but I think Pavlovich no, is 30 as well. If he's over 30, he's over 30. Um. You could so, yeah. cheat really and go for somebody that's like 30 in January and just say, well, they get the main event in February. Yeah, because Evloyev was supposed to be facing Bryce Mitchell next. So you think they're going to give him at least Tapuria? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Chris Gutierrez, maybe you capitalize on the Frankie Edgar win? Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you could definitely see him getting like one of the little uh, UFC Apex main events. I... I'd like to see Brandon Royval get a main event. I was just kind of chucking that one out there. I think Morab's a guarantee. And the others, I think it maybe depends on someone dropping out and then them doing the kind of fill-in. Yeah. I think you just need to like look at a guy that maybe only needs one or two wins and then could sneak a main event in the back third of the year. Or like you say, they kind of they get slid in at maybe like a number twelve, and they face like yeah. a number five guy, and they somehow that gets put as a main event. You know, stranger things have happened. Do you see um, Derek Brunson's coming back against? Um, yeah, Drickus. Yeah, yeah, rough. Um, I did, for any for any kind of bold predictions, uh, mine was Conor McGregor may return at middleweight, and John Jones finally fights Francis this year. They are very bold, I know. Um, how many champions lose their belts? Uh, I mean, this is a tricky one. Um, a hell of a lot will depend on what happens Volkanovski and Islam. I, I, I think Islam will probably edge the win. Um, but I also think that it's unlikely that Volkanovski will lose his belt because... No, of... no, no. They're going to let him go back. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, uh, But I think it's unlikely he'll lose his belt, you know, because of... Oh, because who's next? Josh Emmett or... Um... Uh, Yair, right? So it's going to be, it's got to be Josh Emmett, Yair, or uh, Arnold Allen. Yeah. And the yeah. next in line. So he's got enough guys there. It's just the UFC kind of the book two against each other. If they're smart, they'll book them against others and main, make sure they keep at least two of them to be his next two fights after that. Yeah. Hopefully they don't, or they are doing an interim, aren't they? Yeah, you're right. Sorry, you've already mentioned it. Um, yeah. Pahera, does he lose the belt this year? If we assume they're going to do an Izzy rematch next. He was very close. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I... Thing is, I could see him losing to... I could see him Whitaker. losing to Whitaker or 
Adesanya. So, you know, that obviously makes a massive I, difference. I think he might be more aggressive himself against Izzy this time after he's taken what he will feel is Izzy's best shot. Yeah. Like he, he relaxed his body, everything, end of the round, and then he gets hit. So yeah. I think he may be more aggressive this time out. Yeah, yeah, but, no, I could see that. But I can definitely see, see him possibly losing the belt. Unfortunately for Leon... It looks like it's going to be a rough year for him, regardless. I mean, it's just such a stacked division, isn't it? You know, the problem is if he fights Usman next. Well, Usman, still, Usman was on a fight card doing some work last night, and he still had his hand wrapped. Oh Christ! Okay. So, but, I mean, even if he doesn't fight him, he could fight Covington, which wouldn't be easy. Jemayev, which wouldn't be easy. There's talk, there's talk that they may genuinely do Masvidal, which so I really probably, like, was he now like 10, 11? It's probably gonna. It's, if it's not Usman, they're probably going to try and do Hamza, aren't they? Well, I, well, I, I would rather see Jeff Neal fight Masvidal. I think that would be quite a good fight. Yeah, I just want to see Masvidal get smoked. But yeah, um, yes. If Leon's probably has Usman or Hamza next. Yeah. Other than that, I think the, the champs are fairly safe. I don't see Nunes. I'm not really interested in her upper division and Shevchenko. Whaley, yeah. I think, will be okay. Volk, okay. Light heavier, we don't have a champion. Um, Figueredo, I'm not sure when he's back, but... Figueredo? Fire Moreno? Okay. I Number four. That. That's only in a few weeks. Yeah. It looks... I think he'll be okay there. I, I think the rest of the champs will be okay. Yeah. The only, no, I don't, I don't Francis could possibly vacate is my only one, but the UFC aren't releasing him, so he's best off to go in there injured if he just wants out. Yeah, I mean, would he would he do that? I don't know. I mean, he might do. But he seems fairly convinced he wants out. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, would he fight injured? I just can't can't see it. You know, against against some of those guys, he might be fighting. Christ, I mean, it'd be a rough ride if he was actually fully not a hundred percent. They just booked Adrian Yanez against Rob Font. That'd be a good fight. Yeah, yeah. would, would oh. be one of my ones to watch. I think. I mean, I know you've previously tipped yeah. him to be to be one, but um, let's go on to that. Um, I've got three here. One's not had a fight in the UFC yet. One's oh. thirty-one. Um, I guess everyone's waiting to see Bo Nickel, aren't they? In the yeah. UFC, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we'll go see on. how. I think he'll be matched. Well, they're all about giving him someone in like the top 15 first of all I think if they're smart they'll give him at least someone outside that but he's had like three MMA fights so we'll see how that goes um, do you have an Aussie on your list by any chance? no I, I don't actually I, I don't have an Aussie on my list I, I know who you're referring to but I knew Jack you probably Della yeah yeah, yeah, I knew who you were going to refer to. I thought you'd yeah. probably say him, so I, I actually didn't. Um, yeah, three knockouts in 2022, a win over Danny Roberts, who I've spoken about already. Yeah. Only 26. Yeah, no, one guy I, I have on my list is is Amir Albazi. Okay. Um, two wins this year, one submission, one KO. I just think in a fairly, you know, a, a division that really needs some new blood, you know, you look at look above him, I think he would give a lot of those guys good fights. Um you know, Matt Schnell's ranked one one place below him. Um, one place above him is Alex Perez. Um, 
I can see him, you know, match up well against someone like Brandon Royval and giving us a good fight. And I think, I, I just think that there's a there's enough there that he can make a run at that division quite, quite well. Yeah. Um, Adrian Yanaz that I mentioned a moment ago, I think he's got a good good chance of, again, I was looking for guys that would maybe like make runs towards the title. And well, um, I've, I've been tipping Lerone Murphy for 18 yeah. months, two yeah. years. He's 31 now, but he's still unbeaten in the UFC. Yeah, he's in the featherweight division, so he's he's got a gauntlet to run. But in Tukugov, Ricardo Ramos, Amekani, and Douglas Diandraj, Douglas Diandraj, who had a could have been on the submission of the year list. To be fair, Um, that's a stacked run to be where he is in the division. So hopefully, hopefully, he gets some fights that are worthy this year. Yeah, I guess uh, another man I thought was worth a mention just from this same kind of is in with a shout of, of making a good run, but I mean, he's in a really tough division, but it would be Romain uh, Delidze, Delidze, yep. how, how are we saying his name? But, you know, you look at his year this year, I mean, it's been a terrific year. I mean, he's wins over Dorcas, um, Hawes and Hermanson, you know, and, and all three have been finishes inside two rounds. Oh, don't remind me of that Hermanson loss. Yeah. That but, was brutal, by the but way. But you just look at, look yeah. at the guys he's been beating, you know, they've, they've been steady rises up in competition. Um, you know that comes off being being out of out of the octagon for a year and then rattles off three victories in six Absolutely. months. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then just last thing before uh, we close out for the day, off the top of your head, if there's one fight that you could make in 2023, what would it be? Oh God, um, one fight in 2023. It would probably be Francis V. Pavlovich. Let's Ooh, just see. Okay. Let's John see. Jones. Oh, oh, but you know, you've got to say something that's a little bit left field for these, haven't you? Oh, I no, think, my mind was going to be Francis John Jones. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's see how hard Pavlovich really hits. So, okay, Colby Kamza is one I really want to see. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, stylistically, it'd be excellent. And then. Jones Stipe is the one that uh, that's always yeah got my I've blood pumping, and before. they've teased it by saying like it's been books about three times. So that yeah, those would probably be my picks. Uh, yeah. If Francis is the champ, I want to see Jones straight up for the belt, and yeah. it's equally impressive if Jones wins that, or if his head gets volleyed into like <laughs> row Z. He yeah. said, he was speaking about it recently. He said, well. All I've done for the first three months is you just tell yourself there is a very real possibility that I could be knocked the fuck out. Yeah. And he said, once you accept that, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, that's very right. He's bang on. So there we go. I think that brings us to a close, unless there's anything you would like to add. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm excited for another year. Maybe we could try and do a a half year next year rather yep. than waiting the full 12 months. But, you know, it's an exciting year ahead. There's some good events penciled in already. And there's plenty of people that um, are still yet to be booked that we can we can look forward to yeah. uh, to being booked. So thank you again for listening to another edition of Protect Your Neck. Thank you again for listening to Spitballing Pod throughout the year. This will be the last drop of the year. Thank you for listening as always. Be sure to tune in to Spitballing Pod on a Monday. Move your madness on a Friday. 3MP, protect your neck, anything else that comes in between. Adios.